Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about whether household income drives property prices. You see, commentators often refer to the price of property relative to household incomes. For example, it's estimated that property in Melbourne and Sydney now cost more than 10 times the median household income. And the thesis is, or the insight is, you know, how can property prices continue to climb if people's incomes aren't climbing at the same rate? Now, at the beginning of this year, I did an episode where I said that property prices have been driven a lot over the last number of decades by an increase in borrowing capacity. So that is, borrowing capacity had increased by about three and a half times since 1980, whereas property prices have increased four and a half times, and that borrowing capacity would have been a significant contributor, the increase in borrowing capacity, would have been a significant contributor towards property price growth. Now, I think it's worth stating that borrowing capacity is unlikely to change in the future. That is, in the future, it's unlikely to really uh, contribute towards property price growth, and certainly not how it has over the previous decades. And of course, property investors need to take that into account because I think that's going to negatively or adversely affect property price growth in, in many locations. Now, if incomes are a really big contributor towards property price growth, then the thesis should stand that if you invest in locations that are occupied by people that earn a higher than average income, then those locations should outgrow in terms of property price other locations, right? So a data analyst called Jeremy Shepard has done some work on this question and he found that there's a very weak statistical relationship between income and capital growth rates. Uh, And the thesis, you know, obviously the thesis was the more you earn, the more you can afford to pay. Now, one of the big problems with testing this thesis is access to complete and reliable data. And if you use census data and so forth, there are some problems with that, which Jeremy kind of acknowledges. I think the reality is that incomes do have an impact, of course, but so do many other factors. So it's really impossible to isolate the impact of income alone. And also, I'm not really sure we need to trawl through census data to identify the areas where wealthier people or people with higher incomes uh, live. I think most of us would know, you know, where those locations are. So what other factors then contribute to property price growth other than income? So I think it's important to reflect on the broad statistics. Uh, Approximately one third of Australians own their home without a mortgage. One third own their home with a mortgage and one third rent. So it's it's about an even split between the three cohorts, if you like. So therefore, two thirds of people own their own home, either with or without a mortgage. And therefore, their property-based decisions will be driven by their lifestyle goals. So if someone has a particular goal of living in a particular area, then of course, they're going to draw on all their financial resources, including income, to achieve those goals. Now, before I start talking about all these factors other than income that can go towards pushing property prices higher, I think it's also important to remind people, at least acknowledge, that If we look at median house data, that is going to be driven by two factors. 
The first factor is obviously an appreciation of the underlying land value in that location. So that is that the supply is finite, the demand is growing, and of course, therefore, you get price appreciation. But however, the second contributor is improvements to the land. So renovations, rebuild, and so forth. And typically, when an area gentrifies, you do get a lot of improvements, housing improvements, again, renovations and rebuilds and so forth. So it's true then that houses are more expensive over time because to some extent, dwellings have been improved. It's not just all the underlying land value that's uh, driving the appreciation. So in my experience, I think there's five factors that can contribute towards property price growth other than income. So you won't see it in the data. The first one is investment returns. Share market returns have been around about 10% over the past 40 years, so since 1980, and super fund returns have been relatively similar, circa sort of 9% over a, a multi-decade period. So of course that, that kind of wealth effect will eventually make its way into the property market as investors decide to sort of upgrade their home, buy a second home, invest in property and so forth. So if you've got one asset class returning 10% where a lot of people generate their wealth from, of course that's going to leak over into the other asset class being property. Now, if share market returns were only 5%, I actually think that would have a really big impact on the, the property market. The next one is migration. According to the Migration Policy Institute, it's a think tank, think tank in the US, it's anticipated that 125,000 millionaires will migrate to Australia in 2023. Now, of course, I haven't verified those forecasts and, and projections and so forth, but clearly Australia is considered to be very livable and very attractive for overseas immigrants to move here. And as such, it will attract wealthy individuals and those wealthy individuals will probably invest some of their wealth, uh, almost certainly because they're buying a home, in the property market. Uh, inheritance is another one. The, the amount of inheritance received by Australians is expected to increase to $224 billion by 2050. So there is a huge inheritance tsunami coming our way. But of course, you know, it, it exists at the moment as well. And uh, some of that money will, of course, find its way into the property market. It is not unusual if I have some clients that receive an inheritance that they decide to either make improvements to their existing home uh, or even upgrade their home or and or, of course, invest in property. So inheritance is going to have a big impact and a, and a, and a larger impact so moving forward, I suspect. Uh, the next one is business exits. You know, if entrepreneurs are fortunate enough to sell a large part or even all of their business, often one of the first things they do is upgrade their home, go and buy a holiday home and invest in property. So capital gains from um, business sales also stimulate property prices. And then lastly, and this one's becoming far more common, is that short-term incentives, bonuses, career progression, all those sorts of things that might not actually get captured in these income numbers that are put together by the Australian Bureau of Statistics through the census data and so forth. Um, but they certainly do add to affordability, borrowing capacity and so forth, and therefore stimulate the market, particularly uh, at risk income. So, you know, bonuses, uh, rest restricted stock units, RSUs and so forth. These are becoming, as I said, more common. Uh, we're seeing a lot more clients generating income from these 
obviously this is PAYG employees that, that work for very large corporates and that, that uh, certainly can have a big impact on their housing affordability. So when you think about it, there's lots of things that can occur in a client's life that can go towards really increasing their capacity to be able to invest more money in the property market and push prices higher. It's not just based on income or average incomes, depending on location, of course, which I'll get to in a second. But I know myself, you know, my wife and I, a couple of years ago, sold a commercial property uh, because we decided to upgrade our family home. Now, after all, that's the reason we invest, of course, is to achieve lifestyle goals. So I know pers- firsthand, personally, that these investments tend to find their way into the property market. Uh, and certainly, obviously, my experience with lots of clients uh, confirms that as well. So then what does all this mean for property investors? Well, I read with interest uh, some research put together by a real estate firm, Knight Frank. It, it estimates that about... million Australians have a net worth that exceeds 1.5 million Australian dollars, uh, and that's almost sort of 15% of the population. And if your net worth is north of uh, 8.3 million, then you're considered to be in the top 1% of wealthiest uh, Australians. So congratulations if you're in that category. But my point is that if we invest in areas where the wealthiest 15% want to live, then it's likely that these people that are attracted to these areas will benefit from the additional financial resources that I've just spoken about above. Of course, your average Australian might not receive an inheritance, might not receive very large bonuses or sell a business or do all these sorts of things, but certainly some demographics do. And if you invest in locations that are attractive to that cohort, then of course, you will be able to enjoy probably price growth that exceeds average income growth. Whereas if you invest in locations that are occupied or or populated by people that um, earn a standard income and, you know, uh, might be subject to large bargaining agreements that ultimately end up delivering maybe a 3% income rise and so forth, which isn't terrible, but it doesn't help their ability to continually pay more for property. Uh, then that's obviously going to be reflected in the future growth prospects of that asset. And that's why I did a episode at the beginning of this year where I suggested that people really needed to be a lot more fussy uh, with respect to which type of properties and locations they invest in. Now, let me leave you with one additional thought. Uh, The media writes endless articles about how property is unaffordable. And of course it is compared to many years ago, all the data confirms that, of course, it, it it is more costly to buy property today. But of course, there's a cohort that's going to disagree with that. And that's the cohort that is actually going out and buying and selling property and pushing prices higher. You know, if it was so unaffordable, we wouldn't see any price growth. The point is that it's unaffordable to some people, but very affordable to others. And why is it affordable? Is it because their income is increasing at a much faster rate? than everyone else, possibly? Is it because they've got access to a lot of other financial resources, which I've spoken about? That's quite possible too. It could be a combination of both. Clearly, property is still affordable for some Australians, otherwise we wouldn't see some price growth. So the secret to investing in a property that's going to benefit from above average capital growth is really to invest in locations where that cohort wants to live. 
Okay, that's it for me for this week. Until next week, bye for now.